0: Hello and welcome to Blood Advances Talks. Blood Advances Talks are scholarly review articles that are presented in an audio format and published in the American Society of Hematology's open access journal, Blood Advances. Transcripts for Blood Advances Talks undergo the same rigorous peer review process as all articles published in Blood Advances. We thank you for listening. Hello. My name is Gal Arapali. I'm from the Department of Medicine, Division of Hematology from Duke University Medical Center. The title of my talk is, Should We Avoid Heparin to Eliminate HIT? I do have some relevant conflicts, which include receiving consultancy fees from Mementa and Apotex Pharmaceuticals, makers of generic low molecular weight heparins. My research work is also supported by the National Heart Lung Blood Institute and the Food and Drug Administration. Heparin-induced thrombocytopenia is a well-known drug-induced complication of heparin therapy. HIT occurs in 1% to 5% of patients and is associated with life-threatening complications of thrombosis. And for the most part, because we know that heparin is a cause of HIT, we can and should develop strategies to avoid heparin. The idea that we can even think about avoiding or replacing heparin to avoid HIT is a relatively new one, an idea that we're just now getting used to. Recall that heparin has been a fixture in our therapeutic armamentarium for nearly 100 years. In fact, heparin this year is celebrating its centenary of its discovery. Since its clinical introduction in 1937, heparin has been in continuous use as a parenteral anticoagulant for the management of acute thrombosis. The first real alternative agent was another heparin, an oxaparin, a low molecular weight heparin, which was approved in the U.S. in 1993. In the following two decades, we've seen a relative explosion of alternative therapies to heparin, both as parenteral drugs and oral anticoagulants. Because of these therapeutic options, we now imagine a future without any form of heparin. Our conversation today about avoiding heparin is really a discussion about avoiding unfractionated heparin. Because everything else, including the closely related low molecular weight heparins, are, as it turns out, far less immunogenic than the parent compound. Most clinicians recognize that low molecular weight heparins are not innocent in terms of heparin immunogenicity. It has been recognized since their clinical development that low molecular weight heparins not only cross-react with HIT antibodies, but also trigger HIT on their own. While heparin is a heparin at one level, at a biological level, these drugs are distinct enough that as a class of agents, the immunogenicity profile of low-molecular-weight heparins markedly differ from unfractionated heparin. And because low-molecular-weight heparins are heparins and associated with HIT and have been around sufficiently long enough, we have mature data comparing these two agents. At present, there is insufficient data on the direct oral anticoagulants with regards to HIT, and whether their use is associated with a lower incidence of HIT. The remainder of this discussion, therefore, will focus on low molecular weight heparins as an alternative therapy for avoiding heparin. Doctors were Kenton and Kelton in their seminal 1995 New England Journal of Medicine publication provided the first real clinical insights into the differential immunogenicity of unfractionated heparin and low molecular weight heparin. In this study, 655 patients were randomized to receive unfractionated heparin or low molecular weight heparin thromboprophylaxis after hip surgery. The clinical incidence of hit was significantly different between the two drugs. 2.7% developed hit with unfractionated heparin and 0% developed hit with low molecular weight heparin. The p-value is highly significant at 0.0018 between the two agents. They also looked at development of heparin-dependent platelet-activating antibodies in a subgroup of 387 patients and noted a marked difference in the incidence of head antibodies by the type of heparin. 7.8% of patients receiving unfractionated heparin developed platelet-activating antibodies as compared to 2.2% of patients receiving low molecular weight heparin. Since this study, a meta-analysis of 15 studies involving over 7,000 patients have confirmed nearly a tenfold lower risk of HIT with the use of prophylactic dose of low-molecular weight heparin as compared to unfractionated heparin. Interestingly, studies comparing low-molecular weight heparin and unfractionated heparin given at higher doses or therapeutic dosing rather than prophylactic dosing have not shown such dramatic differences. As it turns out, there's a scientific explanation for differences in immunogenicity of unfractionated heparin and low-molecular-weight heparin, and possibly even dose-dependent differences in the immunogenicity of low-molecular-weight heparins when they're given at prophylactic or therapeutic dosing. Heparins are one of the highest negatively charged biological substances. Unfractionated heparin is a heterogeneous mixture of polysaccharides varying in molecular weight from 3,000 to 30,000 daltons. The mean molecular weight of these compounds is 15,000 daltons, and the chain length varies from 45 to 50 saccharide units. The highly sulfated, negatively charged residues on heparin bind to the positively charged platelet factor 4 with high affinity to form large, multimolecular complexes that are highly immunogenic in animals. Commercial low molecular weight heparins on the other hand are exactly that, they're low molecular weight Their size ranges from 4,000 to 6,500 Daltons with a mean molecular weight of 4,500 as compared to 15,000 for unfractionated heparin. Low molecular weight heparins are also shorter in chain length, varying from 13 to 22 saccharide units as compared to 45 to 50 saccharide units for unfractionated heparin. These compounds also bind to PF4 with high affinity, but because of their smaller size, they form multimolecular complexes at different concentrations, generally at higher concentrations of drug than unfractionated heparin. Indeed, studies have shown that on a molar basis, similar sized PF4 heparin complexes are generated with lower concentrations of unfractionated heparin than low molecular weight heparin. In our recent work, we showed that PF4 heparin multimolecular complexes very potently activate complement and facilitate the antigen binding to B cells. In our study, we also found a similar pattern of complex formation between unfractionated heparin and low molecular weight heparin in terms of complement activation. In this study, we also showed that for a given dose of PF4, it takes a greater molar amount of low molecular weight heparin as compared to unfractionated heparin to generate complement activating complexes. Our studies and earlier studies from other investigators suggest that at low doses, unfractionated heparin may be more adept than low molecular weight heparin at forming antigenic complexes. At higher doses of low molecular weight heparin, such as that used for therapeutic dosing for treatment of VTE, this advantage of low molecular weight heparin may be lost as higher concentrations of low molecular weight heparin may be as effective as unfractionated heparin Performing forming antigenic complexes with PF4. There are also clear practical implications of these scientific findings with respect to hip prevention. In a recent study published in Blood, a study team led by Drs. McGowan and Geert developed an avoid heparin protocol in 2006 at their 450 bed tertiary care hospital in Toronto, Canada. In this elegantly designed study, the investigative team with the help of their pharmacy service basically eliminated unfractionated heparin from most treatment areas without advertising or notifying the providers. Their protocol included substitution of low molecular weight heparin for most prophylactic or therapeutic indication, use of saline rather than heparinized flushes in arterial and central venous lines, removal of unfractionated heparin from order set, and physical removal of unfractionated heparin vials from any of their nursing units. However, Unfractionated heparin remained in use in hemodialysis units, cardiac surgery, and for treatment of acute coronary syndrome. The authors then monitored outcomes over a five-year period and compared outcomes of adjudicated cases of HIT, HIT testing, and hospital costs in the pre-intervention period and compared it to outcomes in the post-intervention period. The differences were dramatic between the pre-intervention and post-intervention period. They reduced the incidence of confirmed HIT by 79%, suspected HIT by 63%, and positive HIT immunoassays by 63%. The average number of HIT cases suspected per year was reduced from 141 cases to 96 cases per year. Although the overall low molecular weight heparin use increased by fourfold, The incidence of HIT remained constant, about 0.9 cases per 10,000, before and after the intervention. Although the authors did not provide figures for the cost of increased low molecular weight heparin use, the cost savings associated with HIT management were dramatically reduced. They decreased by about 250,000 from 322,000 pre-intervention to about 55,000 in the post-intervention phase. While these investigators did not eliminate HIT, they markedly reduced its incidence. For those who have not reviewed this article, I encourage you to do so and consider implementing some, if not all, of the avoid heparin measures at your own institutions. So should we avoid unfractionated heparin to eliminate HIT? My qualified response to this question is, where we can avoid heparin, we absolutely should. For medical indications, particularly in the area of VTE treatment and prophylaxis, we now have abundant alternatives to unfractionated heparin and even low molecular weight heparin. Notwithstanding the occurrence of spontaneous heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, an autoimmune syndrome triggered by inflammatory and or infectious stress, I expect that we will have data in the near future to show that the iatrogenic complication of HIT can perhaps even be eradicated by eliminating heparin exposure altogether. However, for other indications such as cardiac surgery, acute management of valvular disease, and anticoagulation for intravascular devices such as ECMO, LVAD, and or hemodialysis, there are currently no adequate safe substitutes for heparin. For these indications, heparin will likely remain the drug of choice and hematology practitioners will have to remain alert and attentive to heparin's immune complications in these particular clinical settings. Thank you for listening to Blood Advances Talks. Please visit bloodadvances.org for more audio reviews and for information on how to subscribe to the Blood Advances Talks podcast. A full transcript of this podcast can be found online. Music for Blood Advances Talks is performed by the Art Topolo Trio and provided by Dr. Art Topolo. This presentation is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology, all rights reserved.